0: Cher Hale, welcome to Work Less, Earn More. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I am looking forward to learning more about your business model today, learning how it works, how you make money, how you attract your customers, all those sorts of things. Are you ready to get started? Definitely. Awesome. So to start out, can you tell me just a little bit about your business, what it is you do, what products or services you sell?
1: So Ginkgo Public Relations, is a micro, micro agency. I say that with love, because I intentionally built it that way. And we work with historically excluded authors and entrepreneurs, so that could be BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, neurodiverse, or disabled, to help them take back their narratives from the media and tell it with their own voices, through podcasts, publications, editorials, TV or radio. And can you tell me exactly kind of what services or products you offer to these authors? Sure, there are three tiers of working together with me. So the first is kind of that retainer classic model where I work again a 6-month uh, container with people to pitch on their behalf. So it's a done for you service. The next level is kind of like your 90-minute deep dive consultation where I help you create your messaging and like write your pitch templates, but don't actually do any execution for you. And then the last level is a service called Pitch Slapped where I send you 12 different email suggestions every month for you to pitch yourself to of hosts who are looking for people to interview.
0: Very interesting. And how do you market your business to attract customers for these different products?
1: There are a few ways. So the primary like resource is referrals. That's like, I would say 70% of the business. Um, the other is all through interviews like this, uh, where I speak on panels, maybe in private masterminds, um, where I post on LinkedIn as well. So kind of like that social aspect. Um, and also funny enough, whenever I pitch people, I am like marketing the business. So people will come back to me and say hey i love that pitch so much like can we work together and i get a lot of people um a lot of the great like qualified leads
0: that way very interesting and so you said that about 70 percent of your customers come from referral do you do anything to encourage those referrals or does it happen completely
1: naturally it happens totally naturally and it happens more now than ever before because i'm so like so niche like my target client is so specific that i am pretty much the only person in my industry doing what I do for who I do it for. Um, and that makes me, I think, stand out within like what your options are for public relations.
0: When you get a lead for your business, it since they come from referrals, it sounds like it would probably typically be someone reaching out to you via email or DM or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, it's all over email. Okay, and so once you get one of those emails where someone is reaching out to you, interested in working together, what does the process to look like guiding someone from being a lead to eventually working with you?
1: Yeah, so I use HoneyBook. I don't know if you're familiar with the platform, um, but they have a very I have a very specific contact form um, in the hopes that it will weed out the wrong people. And when they come to me through email, um, I usually ask them a few qualifying questions to make sure that i'm the right fit to even have a conversation on the phone so i'll say things like what's your timeline what are your hopes for public relations do you have any experience working in pr or with a publicist and then tell me more about your messaging or your book whatever you're hoping to promote so that i can tell from the badges for my own like quick five minute research whether or not uh, this is pitchable for our agency if it is they get a link to a calendar for a phone call. And then we actually have like a 30-minute phone call on the phone, not over video. Um, And then I'm able to tell them what I think are the best next steps from there.
0: What do you typically talk to them about when you're on this 30-minute call? Is it more of a sales pitch or are you more just trying to figure
1: out whether or not they're someone you want to work with? You know, it's both. I'm first vetting them to make sure that like we're aligned values-wise and aligned in terms of, you are at a stage in your business where public relations in this capacity will truly benefit you. I get some people um, who I talk to every once in a while, because you know, after so many phone calls, you wonder, maybe I should just talk to them and see, how, see what they're thinking or get to know them. Um, and those phone calls where I doubt myself are always the ones where I'm like, shouldn't take it now. I knew they weren't ready. And I'm like just reaffirming that from having spoken to them. How do you structure those calls and what are some of the things you discuss? So once we're on the phone, what I'll do is get a, a good sense of their background. So where they're coming from and then what they're hoping to achieve, because I want to have an understanding of what their expectations are. And based on their expectations, I can either see if I can help them guide it to be a more realistic viewpoint, or if maybe they're too far removed from reality in terms of PR for me to work with them. And so I think a lot of the questions I ask uh, serve both aims, right? Like one is to, to know them and their background and to learn what they need. And the other is to make sure that they are the right client for me, because I work with so few clients every year that the fit has to be really natural and really, really strong. How many clients do you work with each year or each month? Right, so I mentioned that I work in containers of six months. When I have retainer clients, I work with between six and nine at a time. It depends, it varies there, because some clients just want podcast pitching, while others want podcast pitching and editorial pitching, for example. So is that to say that you
0: only work with 10 to 20 clients a year? Yes. Okay. And you mentioned that you have these three different services that you provide. How are those 10 to 20 clients typically divided up over
1: those three different services? So the 10 to 10 clients are more retainer clients. When I have the consultation or the pitch slapped clients of the subscription service, there's an opportunity for scale here. So right now in the pitch slapped membership, we have about 45 people um, and that is enrolled on a rolling basis so they can come and leave whenever they want to but i would say around 40 is a is a solid number for us in terms of membership Mm -hmm. and then consultations i might do two a month so 12 a year i see okay um and with
0: your pitch slapped program do those customers also come primarily from referral
1: or are you doing something to launch the membership I would say primarily through referral, and the other, but this is maybe 50-50, the other half is through all of the visibility that I do. So the interviews, the speaking, um, and especially when I've been hired to do a workshop within someone's private mastermind, uh, I'll offer all of those members a free one month trial to slapped. And what is the price point of PitchSlapped? It's $75, but we also offer a sliding cost scale if you have any economic hardship. I see, okay. Okay, let me take just
0: a minute to tell you about something that has changed my life. YouTube, seriously. Now I'm sure you're probably aware that YouTubers can earn money, but you might not realize how much. It's not just pocket change. You can make a full-time living as a video creator. Make good money making fun videos? I know, sounds too good to be true. But four years ago, I started my own channel. And in less than six months, my husband and I quit our day jobs, sold our house, traveled to Europe for two months, and then came back and bought a new house. And that was all financed by, you guessed it, my YouTube channel. I know this sounds crazy, but I also know I'm not the only one. There are literally millions of people supporting themselves from YouTube and they do it by making videos about every topic you could possibly think of. Cooking, cleaning, art, makeup, career advice, real estate, cats, books, and even just reacting to other YouTube videos. If you want to learn more about how this works and how you can get a piece of the action, then check out my free on-demand workshop called Three Secrets to Reach 1000 Subscribers and get your channel monetized in just three months. Because that's the truth. If you know how the platform works, you don't have to wait years for your channel to grow. You can start getting views from day one, be making money in as little as three months and be on your way to making a living as a creator before you know it sign up now for this free on-demand YouTube training by heading to gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes as well. I can't wait to teach you how to start your own successful YouTube channel and start earning a living as a creator. So let's get into talking about some of the numbers now. Let's talk about your expenses first. What are some of your business's biggest expenses? I would say I am my
1: own biggest expense, right? <laughs> what I bring home is the largest expense we have. Mm-hmm. And then it, I think Veer's off there for team members. So we have an admin assistant uh, on Retainer. She's a contractor who does a lot of our back, end, back and forth with the clients, uh, and that is my second most expensive expense. And then from there, it goes into the tools that we use. Actually, I think it could be bookkeeper because uh, we have bookkeeper and accountant on retainer as well. And then we're able to go into all of our software expenses, which are much more minimal.
0: And then when it comes to your revenue, how is your revenue
1: divided up between these three different products that you sell? Retainer revenue is our strongest revenue source. Uh, It's also, again, that six month container, so I, I can, project out mm-hmm. far in advance. And it's, for me, like the personality type that I am, I, I need some more consistency in my life so I can never just be like a, a short-term model. Uh, so that's most of our revenue. And then I would say the consulting, so that 90-minute consultation constitutes maybe 10%, maybe maybe more like 5%, and then pitch slap another 5%. So kind of like they're very small in terms of sources and retainer really is like the big blue whale that carries, a, that carries us forward. So you mentioned that you
0: are your own biggest expense, and that's probably partly because you're investing the most time into the business of anyone. So what are some of the things that you
1: spend the largest amount of your time on? I would say it's pitching 100%. I spend a lot of time building relationships with podcasters like yourself, pitching people, and then also trying to create the angle or identify the right angle for each of those outlets right so a lot of it is like strategic creative thinking um, and then the actual execution of doing the pitches. What
0: are some of the main activities that directly impact your company's revenue?
1: Mm, This is a good question I would say that I need to continue getting results from my clients in terms of I will send pitches, and the expectation is that they will get visibility opportunities, right? I'm not just sending them into the ether and getting nothing for them. So, for them to continue being clients, most of my clients stay on for, I would say, 12 to 18 months on average. Uh, For them to continue staying with me, I need to show them results and also consistently manage their expectations Um, because sometimes. Most of them haven't never had a PR experience, and so they don't know what to expect. And so they might be thinking, "Am I doing a good job? Are we are we getting what we should be getting?" And so I'm helping to educate them along the process. Um, I spend time with them media training as well so that they can show up to interviews with a strong presence and deliver their message with impact. So I say a lot of that has to do with like the delivery and execution.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: then also, I have to be visible myself if I want to continue bringing in new leads for other projects. Um, So that's a large part of what I spend my time doing too. In fact, I have my schedule set up so that every other week I'm pitching and then those other weeks I'm doing marketing and biz dev. I think that's so smart that you
0: are clear on the fact that the thing that you do that brings the most revenue into your business is delivering results to your current clients. I think so many people miss that, especially when they're in the early stages of starting their business and they think the thing they need to do to grow their business and to make more money is to w- learn how to market their business better. And of course, no doubt about it, marketing is super important. I think you and I are certainly on the same page about that, right? But that's not to overshadow or, or downplay
1: how important it is to be
0: good at what you do and to actually get results
1: for your clients. Absolutely. I think this is why when I pitch podcasters or I pitch journalists and they come back to me with that feedback, they're able to sell themselves on my work because they've experienced it firsthand. They see the quality of what I'm offering.
0: Yeah. Yeah and that of course goes like a little bit beyond getting results for your current clients but again it's demonstrating how good you are how skilled you are what you do so putting your work out there for the public to see That's something I've always loved about YouTube, which is one of my main sources of traffic, is that it's a place where people can watch and see and hear what I do. And so it's a public way to to publish my work and to share my expertise so people can really see what they're getting before they buy. Yeah, and I love all of your YouTube videos. They are so well-produced and they're so much fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. So to kind of start wrapping this up, in looking at your business model, which it seems like is a, it's a hybrid business model where you have this combination of your offering services but you also have a product that is a, essentially a membership site. What are some of
1: the pros? What are some of the advantages that your business model has that you love about it? I love the consistency, like I mentioned before. I can project future revenue out, uh, and that makes it really affirming to me and like calming for my nervous system <laughs> that I have this to depend on. I would say that too. I get a chance to build really deep relationships with my clients because we work in these long longer containers uh, and that's fun for me because i think that the difference between a a good publicist and a great one is how well they know their client so we get a chance to build a relationship Uh, and then also this business model the ones that have like the consultation and then the membership allow me a chance to help those who cannot afford to have a publicist pitch on their behalf uh, and but still be accessible in the ways that I can be for them so they can continue being visible for their own businesses. So I love that I can give back in that way. And then on the other side, the disadvantage is that I struggle to uh, implement quick turnarounds for like price increases, for example, because I'm in a six month lock-in. So if I want to say I'm increasing my prices, that lasts for the full six months. And so I really can't see a change in revenue until our agreement is over, and that can suck (laughs) when you've underpriced yourself and then can't really move up in the middle of an agreement. Um, so that's like, the I think, the trade-off for having that consistency.
0: As you look into the future over these next few years, what are some ways that you are looking forward to changing, growing,
1: developing, or scaling your business? I would love to add on... A slot in my retainer roster um, to do a sliding cost scale for um, someone who can't afford my services but has a really impactful message or something amazing to share so kind of like that scholarship or sliding scale model i'd love to do that in the future and i just want to make more meaningful connections with media makers so that my clients can get the most incredible opportunities. I want them to totally shine. Um, And so I hope that I can continue being a go-to source for media makers uh, as we continue to grow the business.
0: You mentioned earlier on that you had built your company as a, a micro micro agency on purpose. Tell me
1: a little bit more about the thought process behind that. I mean, I don't know about you. I got swept up in the whole like, online business hype. And I thought, man, I'm going to get like, I'm going to create um, a seven figure agency and I'm going to have 50 employees. And like, this is how I'm going to be. I'm going to be a mogul <laughs> in the PR world. Um, and as I began to scale and as I, I saw the reality of people who had scaled like their lives and how they were living it, I thought that is not what I want. I want simplicity. I want time with my family. You know, I want time to travel. I want the time to like pursue other interests. So maybe instead I stay really small and stay as simple as possible so that I can live first instead of work first and then live.
0: I think it's such a careful balance between on the one hand knowing what your definition of success is and what you really want and not like you said get sw- getting swept up in what culture says we should want, right? So knowing that and then at the same time not letting that put yourself into a box and make you think you can't have some of the other things too, like it's an either or proposition, right? Because a lot of the times we can, there's that saying like we can't have everything, but we can have anything. And it's easy to either get swept up in what culture says we should want, or think uh, I don't want the the pain that goes along with that, so I'll just I'll just stay small. And so I like how you're innovating with your business And how you're thinking about creative ways to grow it, but keep it simple at the same time. And you're not just growing for the sake of growing, like hiring a huge team um, or investing really heavily into marketing, but you're thinking really strategically about that. And so I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for just sharing, opening up about your business and sharing how it works, um, because I think that that can help to open up other people's minds to alternative possibilities like that. So thank you so much, Cher, for everything that you've shared with us today. and uh, we'll be sure to include some links in the show notes so people can find out more about you and your company. But again, thank you so much. Happy to have been here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins and until next week, stay focused and take action.